0: Here we are, it is Wednesday, and we have so much to get to. As always, Jerry Brown, the governor of California, is in Paris, and he says something intensely insulting. Plus, this is really some bombshell material out of the Obama administration about just what President Obama is willing to do to get elected, and of course, things that I hate. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. ...tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. That tease was so hot that Jonathan, our producer, actually was asking me about it uh, just a moment ago. But here, here is the here is the deal with President Obama and what he's willing to do to get elected. So, it now turns out that President Obama knew that ISIS was rising almost as soon as America pulled out of Iraq. He, he knew that once we pulled ten thousand troops out, there was going to be a significant rise in terrorist activity. He knew that ISIS was already on the rise. Uh, President Obama's former Defense Intelligence Agency head is a guy named Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He was on CNN with Jake Tapper, and he dropped this bombshell, and what's amazing about it is that this just went right over the heads of the folks on the left. They just acted like it never happened. But what he's about to say, what you're about to hear him say, is one of the most stunning admissions by a former administration official I have ever heard in my life. It truly is amazing. Here, here is Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Yeah.
1: Do you feel as though your warnings were ignored? You know, I think that they um, did not meet a, a particular narrative that the White House needed, and, I, and I'll be very candid with you. I have said, and I believe that the people that were around the president, his sort of inner circle that were advising him, I think advised him incorrectly. What was the narrative? I think what? the narrative was that Al Qaeda was on the run, and, 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 and Bin election, Laden was dead, and, and he, was, the election area, yeah, and they, were, and they were dead, and you know, and these guys are, these guys are, uh, you know, we've beaten them. And we knew that. I mean, we've killed more leaders in the uh, al-Qaeda, ISIS, you know, AQI, you know, Boko Haram, more leaders than we can say, and they continue to just multiply. So we, we, have to get, uh, become, we have to get more realistic on what it is that we're facing.
0: This is a truly incredible thing, what he's just saying. And he's saying it in a soft-spoken manner, so it's easy to miss what he's saying. But what Lieutenant General Michael Flynn just said right there, is that as president obama was gearing up for his reelection he was doing nothing about isis he was ignoring all of the advice he was getting about isis he was ignoring all the intelligence he was getting about isis he was ignoring all of this stuff because it harmed his reelection efforts to recognize that terrorism was an actual threat right he, he was saying that al-qaeda was dead it didn't match his narrative and therefore he just ignored the intelligence now imagine for a second if george w bush doesn't miss the signs of 9 11 in 2001, 2000, imagine if George W. Bush loses the, the, the trail of this, not when he's being elected president, but in 2004. Imagine that in 2004, George W. Bush is getting information that his foreign policy is going to cause a rash of terrorist attacks all over the world and the rise of a, a huge new terror power in the Middle East. And imagine that George W. Bush says, you know what, I'm not going to listen to any of that. You know what? doesn't matter. I'm not going to listen to any of that. And then imagine, after his election, that there are all sorts of terrorist attacks worldwide from the same terrorists that he just dismissed. How do you think the media would cover that? Would the media perhaps say, it appears that George W. Bush manipulated the information that we saw. Bush lied. People died. Is it possible we would see that? Well, for Barack Obama, that's exactly what he did. And not only did he do it, that is his guy. Okay, That's not a Republican saying this. This guy was Barack Obama's former head of intel. He was the guy giving Obama intelligence reports, and he was the one saying, just now, you watched him say on live television, that Barack Obama ignored all of those reports, specifically so that he could tell the American people Al Qaeda was dead, we didn't have to face the threat of terrorism anymore, he had somehow cured it, that to pull out from Iraq was a wonderful, magnificent idea. And remember, in 2010, Joe Biden said that Iraq was going to be part of the bright spot in Obama's legacy, it would be be part of his, his greatest achievements list, would be the, the stability of Iraq. Remember that just two, two years after this, after, after Obama was re-elected, Obama was still calling ISIS the JV team. In other words, Barack Obama is willing to let people die. He's willing to let people all over the world die to promote whatever is his political agenda. And this speaks to what he's been doing in Paris. Barack Obama in Paris, when he says climate change is the real problem here, that's because... For Barack Obama, that is his agenda, and when it comes to terrorism, that's not his agenda. And if he has to lie about the threat of ISIS, if he has to pretend the threat of ISIS doesn't exist, well, then he just will. And he'll do all of that to push his agenda. In 2010, 2011, 2012, his agenda was getting re-elected. And that meant that ISIS could rise, ISIS could turn into a regional power, ISIS could slaughter thousands of people, and he wasn't going to do a damn thing about it. People had to die so Obama could get re-elected, and that was okay. And remember, this was the entire argument that was happening about Benghazi shortly before the, the election in 2012. People on the left were saying, why are you people on the right so exercised about youtube video versus not youtube video what difference does it make hillary clinton famously said at the, the, at her congressional testimony in january of 2013 what difference does it make what we said was the cause of the attacks in benghazi the point that the people on the right were making and they were correct is that barack obama and hillary clinton were lying about what happened in benghazi specifically so that they could win re-election and that they had ignored the decay of Libya specifically so that they never had to face up to the fact that they had destabilized a country and created a terrorist haven. A terrorist haven where, by the way, ISIS is now extraordinarily active. The Obama administration does all of its foreign policy for show so that they can gain domestic support for the things that they really care about. And those things do not include fighting radical Islam or protecting the American people. You know, Obama said very early in his presidency, he was speaking at a military base, and Obama said at the military base, he turns back to the soldiers and is on tape, he turns back to the soldiers and he says, you know, you guys make a great photo op. That's what the military has always been for Barack Obama, a photo op. Foreign policy has always been a photo op to President Obama. And, and it, it, it's almost hard to express how, how disgusting it is that a president of the United States would ignore intelligence, not because the intelligence was just brushed over, but purposefully ignore it because it didn't match an election narrative, because the American people couldn't know the truth he was still the president. He wasn't a a challenger, he was the incumbent. He was the man in charge of keeping America safe and he was ignoring a rising threat, a threat that has now cost literally hundreds of lives in the West and President Obama just ignored it. Didn't make any difference because he had to be reelected. It was important that he be reelected. And Obama's doing the same routine now because his successor must be reelected. Yesterday, President Obama said in Paris, oh, don't worry, a Democrat will succeed me. Well, in order to make that happen, he has to continue lying about what's going on on foreign policy. He has to continue ignoring intelligence reports. He has to continue ignoring the real threats that are out there so that he can lie and tell us that everything is okay, and that his Secretary of State, who's responsible for the rise of many of these threats, that his Secretary of State is not responsible for any of this because, after all, everything is grand and glorious. Michael Flynn also, during the same interview, he said, you know, Obama's kind of downplaying the threat of terrorism. but." It's only a matter of time before ISIS attacks us. So this, this threat that President Obama said didn't exist in the first place and ignored for his own reelection efforts, that threat, it's only a matter of time now before they kill Americans in America. Here is Michael Flynn.
1: I think that first, our FBI uh, is probably the, well, they are the best law enforcement organization in the world, far none. And the FBI, I know, is working overtime today uh, to, to prevent this kind of, uh, of, a, uh, of an attack. Paris was eight guys. Um the attack in Mali at the hotel was ten guys. So two guys, three guys, four guys could have, could raise absolute havoc in a, in a mall or somewhere else. You think it's country. just a matter of time? If I do. I really do believe it's a matter of time. I, I believe that, uh, there's going to be, uh, where, where our luck is going to run out and they're going to be able to achieve something along the lines of what we saw in Paris.
0: ISIS did not exist when Barack Obama took office. It was a nothing when Barack Obama took office. By the time his first term ended, ISIS was already a rising threat and he ignored it so that he could be reelected. That is how disgusting the politics of the left has become. They're willing to sacrifice American lives and allied lives. They're willing to do all of that just so that they can maintain their grip on power. And it's going to cost more American lives because ISIS was not a threat to the United States when George W. Bush left office. It is now. It is now. And by the way, Barack Obama just three weeks ago, you remember the day before, we we talked about it on the show, the day before the Paris attacks, you remember Barack Obama went on national television and he said that ISIS had been contained. Now his his chairman of the Joint Chiefs, right, his chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Again, a Barack Obama staffer is just pulling the carpet right out from under him. The Chairman of the Joint Chiefs actually came out and he said, no, absolutely, we have not contained ISIS. Here he is. General Dumford, can you tell me if, is, is the Chairman of the Joint
1: Chiefs, if you know? We, we are technically not at war, uh, okay. Representative Ford. So if we're effectively not at war, let me ask you it this, we, have we currently contained ISIL? Uh, We have not contained ISIL. Have they been contained at any time since 2010? Uh, Tactically, uh, in areas they have been. uh, Strategically, they have spread since 2010. Uh, Can you ask me if our current strategy in in your best personal and professional military judgment that we've currently implemented... Uh, do we have a strategy that will defeat and destroy ISIL? I think the right components of a strategy are in place, Representative Forbes. Is that the strategy that was recommended by the Joint Chiefs? The current strategy, and particularly the military dimension of the strategy, is the strategy that was recommended by the Joint Chiefs.
0: Okay, so he says that now we're on the right track. Now, did you believe him? Do you believe him? He's the one who just said, now... That Barack Obama was wrong two weeks ago when he said that that ISIS is contained, his own Joint Chiefs Chairman is now saying, no, ISIS is not contained. But don't worry, the strategy that we are telling Obama to use and that he's totally going to use now, yeah, that's totally going to work. Because he would never manipulate national security for his own personal political gain or anything. And this is a pattern, okay, this is a pattern. Today, Rahm Emanuel, you know, we've talked a little bit about this case in Chicago, this case where this 17 year old guy, I don't want to call him a kid because when you're 17, you're, you're really not a kid anymore. By the time you're 17, actual responsibility is attached to you. He's a 17 year old guy, he was high in LSD, and he was, or sorry, PCP apparently, and he was at a McDonald's making trouble or Burger King making trouble, and someone called the cops on him, and he's walking away from the cops, and, and a white cop shoots this black guy. And the tape finally gets out. The dash cam video finally gets out. And it turns out that the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, said on Wednesday that he won't step down, even though there are growing calls for his resignation. So according to The Hill, this is The Hill reporting today, in a visibly tense interview at a Politico Illinois event in Chicago, Emanuel, who served as Obama's chief of staff, said he would be held accountable by the political process. He said, we have a process called the election. The voters spoke. I'll be held accountable for the decisions and actions that I make. No, no, he won't. No, he won't. He, he, he just got reelected on the basis of hiding the tape. That's the whole point. He hid the tape so he could be reelected. This is like Barack Obama saying after he was reelected, oh, don't worry, the voters will hold me accountable for what happened in Benghazi. No, they won't because you lied to them at the time in order to achieve political victory. Democrats will lie and they will cheat and they will steal and they will allow people to die so long as it helps them achieve political victory because the only thing Democrats want is power. That's all that matters. If they can maximize their personal political power, it doesn't matter who has to suffer in order for that to happen. That's an amazing line by Rahm Emanuel. We have something called the election. I won. Okay, well, guess what? Richard Nixon won re-election, too. He did. Watergate happened in the run-up to re-election for Richard Nixon, right? That's, that's what he was doing. He was bugging George McGovern's headquarters. Right? That's they, He was bugging the DNC headquarters in the run-up to the election. He won re-election. What if Richard Nixon had said, look, the people spoke? You know, I don't care about your investigation. The people spoke. You know, they already re-elected me. And if they want to do something about it, the people can do something about it. Right? We, people would rightly look at that and laugh. They would look at that and they would say, no, that's not how this process works. But for Democrats, that's exactly how this process works. You know what the Huffington Post headline said about the, the interview with, with Michael Flynn, the one that we played at the very top here? And I was talking with Andrew Clavin outside here, and Andrew told me that the, the headline from the Huffington Post, right, the, the official Obama outlet on the internet left, the, the headline was, Lieutenant General Flynn, Obama was right to oppose Iraq War. Okay, now that is one of the things that he said in the interview. He said the Iraq War was a mistake, right? He said the Iraq War, but that's not the headline. The headline isn't Obama official says Obama is right. The headline is Obama official says Obama is a damn liar who's willing to allow people to die so he can get reelected. That's the headline, right? By any news standard imaginable, that's the headline. Because when somebody from the president's side is ripping the president, that's much more of a headline than somebody on the president's side backing the president's play. But the media are so corrupt and so invested in Democrats winning that they're willing to lie, too. And that's the tragedy of all of this. And there's a new poll out today uh, about, about the, the new presidential election. And the poll is, is not pretty for Republicans. Trump continues to do well in the primary, she's at 27%, Marco Rubio's at 17%, Ted Cruz at 16%, along with Ben Carson, who's sliding, and it looks like his support is bleeding over into support for Ted Cruz. But the part that, that is really troubling is that when you look at Hillary Clinton versus the field, and I've been saying this for, for months now, I mean, I have an open bet with radio host Michael Medved that I made with him on the radio. I gave him four to one odds. I took Hillary, he took the field. I said, I'll put up my $4,000 against your $1,000 that Hillary will win. Not because I want Hillary to win. I want Hillary to go down in flaming defeat. But because Hillary has structural advantages and because the media are so powerful in driving narrative. Here are the poll results. Hillary versus the Republican field. 47-41 over Trump. 45-44 over Rubio. Okay, that was, that's, that's a shift from last month when there was a five-point lead for Rubio. 47-42 over Cruz. Cruz was beating her by three points last month. 46-43 over Carson compared to 50-40, Carson over Hillary last month. She's beating all comers right now. And it's going to get worse, not better, because the media control the narrative. You, know, you expect Democrats to be Democrats. You really do. One of the things I learned growing up, and it's, it's a good life lesson, is one of the big mistakes people make is thinking the best of people. It's just, it's, it's a mistake that people make. You know, you, can, you have to think the best of, of people biblically. You have to try and, you know, you're supposed to... You're supposed to try and think that the rationale behind what they're doing is not a, a nasty rationale. You're supposed to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a whole phrase in Hebrew that's specifically designed to do this, that you're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to try and see people for, for their best qualities. In politics, don't. In politics, don't. If you assume the worst 95% of the time, you'll be right. And in politics, the fact is that the media do have bad intent when it comes to all of this. And this is the problem. People are saying, well, you know, Trump will lose against Hillary. I think Rubio will do better against Hillary. The media haven't even begun to attack Rubio yet. Once he gets in their crosshairs, this is the same media that lied. It's the same media that generated Candy Crowley, who said in an open debate, in the middle of a presidential election, that Mitt Romney was lying about Barack Obama's take on Benghazi, when Barack Obama was lying about Barack Obama's take on Benghazi. These people control the narrative. That's why I've said on the program, And I'll continue to say that if I have a choice between winning this election and destroying the credibility of the mainstream media, I will destroy the credibility of the mainstream media every time because the mainstream media controls the outcome of these debates. Hillary Clinton has a 44% favorability rating, a 44 favorability rating, and she's beating all of these people, right? She has a a significantly lower favorability rating than virtually everybody else. Marco Rubio's favorability rating right now is 37 to 28%. He's got a nine point positive. Hillary's at 44 to 51, right? And she's still beating Marco Rubio. And those numbers are not gonna get better for Rubio, they're gonna get worse for Rubio, because once the media decides to dig their heels in and dig their claws in, they're not going to let go until they, until they draw blood. The, the media will allow Democrats to lie. They, they, they have an agenda. That agenda is to keep people like Rahm Emanuel in power so that they can continue hiding facts about shootings, keep Barack Obama in power so he can continue pretending ISIS isn't a threat. And it really is quite dispiriting. It is really dispiriting. And, and all of this obviously has, has ramifications for the rest of the world, because while the left, President Obama, the media create their own magical reality while they do all of this, the, the real world goes on. The real world continues to exist, and the bad guys continue to win. And There's a phrase that they used to use in the 60s, what if they gave a war and nobody came? Well, what if they gave a war and only one side came? Because the other side was too busy navel-gazing, to, to put it kindly. Well, that's what's happening in the world right now. Barack Obama is too busy gazing at his own navel to recognize that there is a reality around him that continues to move. And today, that reality continues to manifest. According to the Times of Israel, Miri Mikhaeli, who's the Europe correspondent for Israel's Channel 10, tweets, quote, Chabad. Chabad is the, is the Jewish organization. You've seen them do, they, the guys who have long beards and black hats, and you see them dancing in funny ways during telethons, and they're, they're really a wonderful organization, Chabad is. They, they, they do a lot of Jewish outreach to the Jewish community. They're Orthodox, and, and Chabad, which does all the Jewish holidays, they bring lots of people in of every sort of Jewish sector to celebrate. Chabad has now issued a warning. Chabad says, Paris police ordered us to cancel most of our public Hanukkah lighting in the city in light of the terror attack and fear of additional attacks. Efforts are underway to approve a candle lighting at the foot of the Eiffel Tower. What Chabad does every Hanukkah, and you can see it if you're out here in L.A., you can go to Universal City Walk, and they do this every year. They do it up in Sacramento with the governor. They have these public candle lightings for Hanukkah, right, because that's what they do. It's like a Christmas tree, except it's a Hanukkah menorah. And in Paris, they've now been told by the police, don't do this. They've now been told by the police don't do this. And one of the injunctions as a Jew, as an Orthodox Jew, one of the injunctions on Hanukkah is that when you light the candles, you are specifically supposed to put the candles in the window so that people can sort of see the light of God's miracle emanating from your window. That's the goal. It's, that it's not supposed to just be in your house. You're supposed to put it in your front window so that passersby can see that you are a Jew and you observe the, and you observe the holiday. People are basically being told now, people are, are basically being told now that they need to not do this publicly. So the police have now given the okay, but this is what, what it's coming down to in Europe. Jews in Europe are moving out in droves. Thousands of families of Jews are moving out of Europe in droves because of the Islamic invasion of Europe, which is what is happening. The, the left has gone along with it. Uh, there's a report today from an ISIS, this is an amazing report, there's an ISIS, an ISIS manifesto apparently that has now been revealed. And the ISIS manifesto openly talks about partnering with left-wing and anti-Israel activists, according to this ISIS manifesto. According to the ISIS manifesto, they say that, that it's, it's pretty clear. their are passages bragging that some of those involved in the attacks on Paris were quick to take the opportunity of entering into the different countries of Europe. The manifesto touts operatives' training and ability to inflict damage, and it, and it talks about how it's important to create Muslim no-go zones, which are these supposedly non-existent zones where the police don't police because they're dominated by Muslims. And here's the part that, that really is telling, quote, If you have ever been at a pro-Palestine, anti-Israel protest, you will see many activists who are not even Muslims, who are supportive of what Muslims are calling for, the fall of Zionism. It is most likely here that connections between Muslims and left-wing activists will be made, and a portion from them will realize that protests are not effective and that armed combat is the alternative. In other words, they're now recruiting from the left-wing, ISIS is. And they're recruiting from them because they understand who their ideological allies are when it comes to the war against reality. Because the left wing would prefer not to see ISIS as the enemy, but they would prefer to see climate change as the enemy, even as we in the run-up to to a new world, Kristallnacht. For those who don't know, Kristallnacht was the night in 1938, it was the the night of broken glass when the Nazis went around smashing all the Jewish stores and it was sort of the, the open prelude to the Holocaust. Okay, well, speaking of the, of things that don't actually matter that we're focused on instead of terrorism, the left continues to focus in on climate change like a laser beam, like a laser beam. Jerry Brown, who's the governor of California, the octogenarian governor of California, who stumbles around eating pudding all day and has said things in the past like global warming is going to mean that LAX is under feet, four feet of water. He actually said this, that LAX will be under four feet of water thanks to global warming. The reason this is idiotic, in case you don't know, is that LAX is at an elevation of 108 feet above sea level. Okay? The, 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 the most optimistic projections for global warming is that the global sea levels will rise by 4 feet. Okay? They're not going to go 108 feet above sea level. Jerry Brown is also the idiot who wants to build a $100 billion choo-choo train to mimic the path of the I-5, which is, by the way, completely empty between Southern California and Sacramento. If you've ever been on that I-5, nobody's on it. I mean, I got caught doing 113 on the I-5. There's not a freeway in L.A. I could go 113 on. There's certainly not a freeway in L.A. I could go 128 on, which is what I was actually doing on the freeway on the I-5. But the the I-5 is totally unpopulated. Jerry Brown thinks we need to build a train. This delusional dope, he he goes to Paris, and he says, he was interviewed about what he wants to do about climate change. This is the delusional world in which we live, if you are a member of the left. Jerry Brown talking about the threat of climate change.
1: It's a real race. It's a race against dramatic climate change and melting of Greenland and all the rest of the stuff and you don't know what the tipping points are and there is unknown you know there, there is unknown there's a lot of big risks out there humankind has brought into the world absolutely devastating technologies and then as far as what you hope for your impact on the talks to be well I'm going to go around and did you ever see the uh, you know Johnny Appleseed running around Planting apple trees. I'll do whatever I can with whomever I need.
0: So this crazy old coot who's, who's talking about he said, did, did you ever see Johnny Appleseed? Johnny Appleseed, who is an actual guy, died in 1845. So it's possible that he actually did see Johnny Appleseed. To be fair, and you see him, if you, folks. You can't see him on video. You can sort of gather what he what he's doing, but he's he's kind of moving back and forth and rubbing his arms and and shifting back and forth, and and you feel like you just went to visit your grandpa at the old age home, and it's kind of sad and. And after you leave, you kind of turn to your mom and you go, oh, he doesn't look good, Grandpa. And that's, that's, that's sort of what it feels like watching Jerry Brown. But the, the line there that I think is worthwhile pointing out is, is, the, is one of the lines that he says right in the middle. He says there's a lot of big—first, he, he says Greenland is going to melt. Okay, first, there, there, have been, there have been glaciers in Greenland that are melting. It's also true that Antarctic ice sheets are growing by leaps and bounds. So it turns out that the weather changes, changes a lot, depending on where you are, and global trade winds make a big difference as to whether certain areas are warm or cool. But the the line that really gets my attention here, because it shows where the left really is when it comes to climate change, and there's a commonality here to to, their feelings about terrorism, is, is where he says there's a lot of big risks out there. Humankind has brought into the world absolutely devastating technologies. Humankind has brought into the world absolutely devastating technologies. Now, remember yesterday, President Obama said in Paris, he said that ISIS just wants to destroy the world. ISIS wants to, and we're here saving the world. The way they want to save the world is to do away with these absolutely devastating technologies. Are we talking about the atomic bomb? Which, by the way, there's a very solid argument to make, that the atomic bomb is what has basically kept human beings on the planet. There's a very good argument for this, right? Without mutually assured destruction, World War I killed a lot of people. World War II killed a lot of people. Every war since has killed people, but not nearly of that scope, because everyone is afraid that if you go too far and cross the line, somebody's gonna get nuked, and all of a sudden, the entire planet is gone, right? That's why there hasn't been any sort of major war in which hundreds of thousands of people have died from Western countries, which was a regular thing, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century. Every 30 years, we were fighting wars where, where millions and millions, and 20, 40, 50 million people were dying. But Jerry Brown, when he, he's not even talking about the atomic bomb, right? He's talking about cars absolutely devastating technologies. Now, when I talk to normal people, is the toaster, toaster, is an absolutely devastating, no, a car, is it an absolutely devastating technology? Or is it a magical piece of technology created by the ingenuity of human beings that has made our lives immeasurably better, increased economic growth all around the world, and encouraged the the cross-cultural exchange of ideas that has led to technological growth, an alleviation of poverty never before seen in human history, and an alleviation of world hunger? I mean, that's true of all carbon-based fuel, fuel energies. Okay, carbon-based fuels, oil is one of the, the, look at, in 1900, the life expectancy in the United States was 50 years. If you were lucky, you lived to be 50 years old in the United States. Today, the life expectancy for both men and women is above 80 years old. Okay, a large part of that is because of nutritional gains brought about by mechanized farming, which is brought about by carbon-based fuels. A lot of that is brought about by better health standards at hospitals for example which are powered by electricity which are powered by power plants which are powered by carbon based fuels like coal the fact is that energy is it underlies everything claven uh, made a great point on his on his podcast a few weeks ago he was talking about the, he was talking about avatar and he was saying you know you watch avatar and it's all beautiful and nature-y and there's lights everywhere he said you know, that, that's LA, like that, that's what we have with oil. We don't need, oil makes all of that possible. All the things they're railing against, the unobtainium they're railing against, all of that is what makes modern life possible. The fact is, all of the technologies Jerry Brown hates, those are the same technologies that have decreased the poverty rate on planet Earth by 50% since 1990. Okay, there were 1.6 billion people on planet Earth who were living on less than a dollar and 25 cents, I believe it was, I think it was a dollar and 25 cents a day they are living on less than that every single day, and that has now been decreased to 800 million people over the course of 25 years. Nothing in, in the course of human history could have ever predicted anything like this. That is thanks solely to technological and scientific advancement that the left hates. Why? Because the left sees us all as, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel, namely die at age 13 in the wilderness right so the the, the fact is that, that one of the beautiful things about being human is that we've been able to transcend our own physical limitations because of the power of our mind and the power to harness the wind and not the wind, but harness those fossil fuels that by the way, have existed for all of human history but meant nothing because they were underneath the earth. We were the ones who took this goo and turned it into something so magical that it powers hospitals, right that it gets kids to and from schools and powers the lights in the school. And we've been able to do all of these things and make life immeasurably better. for The planet could not sustain six billion people without fossil fuels. End of story. But according to Jerry Brown, all that's bad because humans are just like other animals and we should sort of take our place in the pantheon of other animals and we should be brought back down to earth. There's a real anti-human strain to these environmentalists and it really is quite ugly and quite nasty. Okay, now on to things that I hate. Okay, I'm going to mention something that I like. I always do this because, as I say every day at this time, I want to show that I don't hate everything on Earth. I hate most things, but there are certain things that I like. There, there's a great movie that you should see from last year. It's called Whiplash. Uh, and if you haven't seen Whiplash, it is a really, really terrific movie, and it is worth seeing. Okay, so I spent 20 seconds on things that I like. Now I'm going to spend a few minutes on things that I despise. So a couple of things today that I absolutely despise. Let's start with Hillary Clinton has now dropped a new ad for her presidential campaign, and it basically, her ad is basically... Hillary 2016, I Have a Vagina. Here we go. Dear Hillary. Dear Mrs. Clinton. Dear Secretary Clinton. Hi, Mrs. Hillary Clinton. Dear Mrs. Clinton. My name is Scout and I'm nine years old. I'm so excited you have a chance to become the first woman president. Because from George Washington to Barack Obama, it is ridiculous that there have never been a female president before. 44 boys is too many. It will be hard work to be a grandma and president. I know you can do it. I hope you can encourage people to help and save Earth. Fight for world peace. I would like to see an end to killing by guns. You inspire me so that I can be who I want to be when I grow up. OK, okay. I can't take any more of this. Um every parent who had their child participate in this should be slapped as hard as humanly possible with, with a club. I mean, this is, this is just... To brutalize your children in this fashion, by having them get on camera and read this asinine letter clearly written by a PR specialist for the Hillary Clinton campaign, you know, it's, it's, it's like... No nine-year-old girl is sitting at home, she's like, I'm going to write the president, the future president of the United States. And by the way, could you have any more stupid... Is Hillary going to do any of these things? Is Hillary going to achieve world peace? I missed the part where she achieved world peace as secretary of state, considering that terror deaths have risen 80% in the last year. So I'm going to go no on that one. Is she going to save the earth? I'm going to go no on saving the earth considering that she can't even, she can't even read an email without having her aides printed out according to her email exchanges. Is Hillary Clinton going to stop all deaths from guns? No, she's not going to do that either considering that she was actually gun-running guns into Syria via Libya and half those guns ended up in the hands of ISIS. So I'm going to go no on all of these things. But this, this idea that if you are teaching, the part of this that, that bugs me is not Hillary doing her thing, because Hillary has been doing this stupid crap for years. The, the, the part that bothers me is teaching young girls, teaching young girls that the only obstacle that they are facing in life is their own femininity. The only, the only real obstacle is that they're female. And it, and and that that obstacle is only an obstacle because of terrible terrible men. Because after all, other women aren't standing in their way. It's a bunch of men standing in their way. Forty four men, forty four <laughs> boys is too much. Okay, I I think Jimmy. I think you're right. Jimmy Carter was too much. I think Ronald Reagan was a pretty good president. Like J, Jimmy Carter, I'm fine. You want to replace him? Go back in history, find a female to replace him. Cool. But it turns out that I judge the presidents by their performance not by their penis or vagina, but Hillary Clinton doesn't feel the same way. And so she's got all these girls out there preaching to the choir about how they, they feel like they can finally be president. First of all, if there's a girl alive right now in the United States who feels like she can't be president because she's a girl, their parents, there's, there's seriously something wrong with the parent. Okay, I have a daughter. There's seriously something wrong with you. Okay, the last three secretaries of state have been female, right? Ma- or three the last four, Madeleine Albright was a female. Condoleezza Rice was a female. Colin Powell arguably was... No, Colin Powell was a male, but, but, but Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was a female. And if you look at the Supreme Court, there are Supreme Court justices who are female. Women are making more than men in the major cities if they are of the same educational level and at the same level in their careers, and if they are single and they don't have kids. So the, all of this is nonsense, but it's ingraining in these kids. These kids are going to go around the rest of their lives and think they're victims, victims of the patriarchy. Let me tell you something a little something about the patriarchy, ladies. The patriarchy... Was what allowed you to vote okay the patriarchy invented all the machines that allowed you to not have to use washing boards okay if, if, if men were really as sexist as the as the feminist left makes them out to be we have tremendous upper body strength and we own all the guns okay the reality is that one of the grand things about about western civilization is that men in western civilization realized it was nasty and horrible not to treat women equally and give them equal opportunities and so they changed right this is one of the wonderful things about males Okay, I speak as a man who who is spends an enormous amount of time with my baby so that my wife can study for tests because she is in medical school and will be a doctor she's graduating from UCLA medical school this year i'm talking I, I'm, I grew up in a house where my dad was home with me and my mom was working okay so I, I fully understand and believe in the rights of women to work there, I don't know a lot of men who don't, but this idea that men are the grand the, the, the sort of grand speed bump on the road to female equality is absolute utter tripe, it's utter nonsense, and it's really damaging to relations between the sexes as well as to political relations in the United States. Okay, final thing that I hate today, and I know we're a little long, but there's a lot of hate, you know? There's just a lot to hate. Today is World AIDS Day, and I don't remember, was there a World Breast Cancer Day? I don't remember. I know, I know that they have breast cancer things, like they have people in the NFL wear the pink the pink Spanglies and all this stuff for breast cancer. But I don't remember there being a World Breast Cancer Day where the, was there a big pink bow at the White House? I know that every World AIDS Day, they have a giant red bow that goes up at the White House to celebrate World AIDS Day. I'm not sure what you're celebrating on World AIDS Day. AIDS is bad. I don't know why you're celebrating it. But, but in any case, they they it, World AIDS Day is when we're all supposed to stop and we're supposed to recognize that AIDS is a tremendous threat to everyone equally, right? Here's Hillary Clinton. She tweeted this, quote, Let's commit to an AIDS-free generation. Invest in research, fight discrimination, and expand access to life-saving drugs. Okay, invest in research, fine. Expand access to life-saving drugs, fine. That's called the free market, and as competition kicks in, it will do that. Fight discrimination. Hmm. Here's sort of the problem with your whole fight discrimination thing, Hillary. The fight discrimination thing suggests that discrimination is what is leading to a rise in AIDS or leading to a continuation of people obtaining the HIV AIDS virus. It turns out that the virus itself kind of discriminates. It turns out that th- this, this happens to be a virus that actually has a, a significant behavioral corollary. And one of the things that makes me totally nuts about the left and their supposed belief in science is that they totally don't believe in science. The manipulation of, 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 of science for the basis of politics is so clear. Look at, look at how the National Institute of Health actually prioritizes research. So I'm looking right now at the National Institute of Health Funding for research on particular causes. This is domestic research. Okay, this year they are slated to spend $3.1 billion researching HIV-AIDS. Okay, great. HIV-AIDS, it doesn't kill that many people. Okay, let's be real about this. On a a relative basis, it doesn't kill tons and tons and tons of people. Right now there are 1.2 million people in the United States living with HIV infection, and the number of people who die every year from HIV-AIDS is not even close to 1.2 million people. In 2014, there will be 1.6 million new cancer cases diagnosed. This is every year, and 600,000 people will die from cancer. When it comes to heart disease, heart disease deaths, let's look this up, heart disease deaths in the United States. Okay, heart disease deaths in the United States. 610,000 people die of heart disease in the United States every single year. One in every four deaths is heart disease in the United States. So we said $3.1 billion for funding for AIDS research. How much is being spent on heart disease research? Okay, because let's face it, not one in four Americans dying of AIDS, not even close to that, not even close to that. It, it might be one in, maybe one in 40, maybe, I don't even know if it's that high. Okay, so we're, we're talking about, in fact, now I wanna look it up. How many, how many deaths per year, AIDS United States? Okay, 13,000 people died of AIDS in the United States last year. 13,000 people died of AIDS in the United States. So that means that you are talking about the difference between 600,000 and 13,000, right? So, so you, you have a 60 times better chance, basically, dying of, of heart disease than AIDS. So you would assume the funding would reflect that, right? <laughs> Don't be silly. HIV, AIDS, $3.1 billion. Heart disease, $1.2 billion. We spend nearly three times as much funding HIV-AIDS research as we do funding heart disease research, even though a significant component of heart, heart disease is actually genetic and, and doesn't necessarily have to do with all the crap that you're eating. Right? So the, so, but again, this is all that matters. And by the way, even that number sounds, sounds high to me. The CDC, I'm looking at the CDC website right now, there are only 7,000 deaths from AIDS, I guess, in, in 2012. So it's, it's extraordinarily low, as opposed to 600,000. Okay, and we're funding AIDS to three times that extent. I want to show this one graphic to explain why this is so maddening and why it, the left's goal, as I've said many, many, many times on this program, is to relieve any connection between behavior and consequence. There must never be any connection between behavior and consequence. Everybody has to be equal no matter what stupid behavior they engage in. Okay, it turns out, we'll just look at this chart here. Okay, heart disease, if you had to attribute heart disease to a cause, you'd probably say that a significant percentage is people eating fatty or not exercising, and a significant percentage is actual heart disease that runs in your family. Cancer, we still have no idea what causes most cancers, and hundreds of thousands of people die from cancer. We know exactly what causes you to get AIDS. In fact, we know it down to the 100%, right, according to the CDC. So, what causes you to get AIDS? Is it a random thing? Is just Is it a fly? Does it bite you? What, what happens to cause you to get AIDS? Well. of all the people in the United States who were diagnosed with HIV, okay, and and are uh, for for people aged 13 to 19 and people aged 20 to 24, well over 90% of all people diagnosed with HIV are males having sex with males. It's guys having sex with dudes. Okay, it's homosexual sex. Homosexual sex transmits AIDS. That's because there are certain channels in the human body that are more prone to cut and bleed. Okay, this is just a fact of life. Sorry, it's called biology. Okay, 1.7% intravenous drug use, right? So if you stick a needle from somebody else's arm into your arm, then you might get AIDS at a 1.7% rate. If you have a male-to-male sexual contact and intravenous drug use, right, so you do both, that's 3%, right, so really this 90% statistic should look more like 95% is male-to-male homosexual contact because that includes both, right? And finally, heterosexual contact, don't remember, anyone can get AIDS, folks. Anyone can get AIDS. Heterosexual contact, yeah, no, not so much, at least among men, right? The are, there are women who get AIDS tend to be because a guy had sex with a guy and then had sex with a girl, um, or because a guy had intravenous drug use and then had sex with a girl. But heterosexual contact, men getting AIDS this way, 4.2%, right, 4.2%. So th- this happens to be a disease, and this doesn't mean we shouldn't fight the disease, it doesn't mean we shouldn't research the disease, but I don't see us spending, expending an enormous amount of time and money on syphilis research. Because it turns out that there are ways to avoid it. Right, I I, I won't. I don't wanna spend lots and lots of research money on ways to avoid you running out in front of a car. Right, I would prefer to spend more and more research money on how to make cars themselves safer. Right, the, the, This this stupidity that we have, politically correct stupidity, it's actually caused a lot of gay people to die because if you tell people that they're equally likely to get to get HIV by having sex with a woman and by having sex with a man, then you're lying to them and you're going to get more of a certain type of activity. If people are not aware of the risk level, they tend to engage in riskier behavior. This is true by every available measure. And so once again, World AIDS Day, glad that we pay attention to AIDS, glad that we spend money trying to come up with drugs to fight AIDS, glad that people live after having contracted AIDS now in ways they would have thought crazy 40 years ago. All of that's wonderful. I want at least two thirds of that money shifted over to heart disease research and cancer research. I I think those are significantly bigger problems for the United States. And the fact that the president of the United States and Hillary Clinton focus so much more on AIDS than anything else is just more evidence that when it comes to the left, behavior has to be excused no matter what the consequence. And that is top priority, not saving actual human lives. Once again, always as always, back to bringing it full circle. When it comes to the left, the narrative is more important than human life. Always, always, always for the left. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first.